working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my interview is with drummer Al Wilson. Al didn't discover his passion for drumming until the age of 18, but he quickly became a busy full-time drummer. This passion turned into a time of self-discovery and learning of all things drums and percussion. He eventually moved to Nashville and began working almost immediately. After a short stint with singer Josh Grayson from American Idol, Al was recommended for the Taylor Swift gig. Taylor was only 16 years old and at the very start of her career. Al not only became her touring drummer, he also acted as bandleader. After six years of nonstop touring, Al decided to leave Taylor's gig and redirect his attention towards his family. And most recently, Al has been steadily building his workload back in Nashville with freelance work and teaching all while maintaining a healthy balance between work and family. You can find out more about this podcast and other podcasts that we've recorded by going to workingdrummer.net. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can go to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. In iTunes, if you leave a rating or a review for us, it really helps us grow. We really appreciate that. This episode is sponsored in part by Sakai Drums. You know the Sakai sound, now get to know the Sakai name. Trusted around the world for almost 100 years, Sakai's devotion to craftsmanship and passion in creating the world's best quality drums is unmatched. Handcrafted in Osaka, Japan, Sakai offers the most versatile drums from the Trilogy Vintage series to the modern almighty Japanese birch recording kit, each boasting a distinct sound and feel. Go to SakaiDrums.com to learn why studio legends Eddie Bears and the Smashing Pumpkins' Jimmy Chamberlain and Tedeschi Trucks Band J.J. Johnson and Tyler Greenwell choose Sakai. Elevate your sound with Sakai. So I hope you enjoy this talk with my good friend Al Wilson. Here he is. Man, I've been fill-in guy. I've just been doing fill-in gigs. Uh, So learning tons of music. Yeah. Lots of different shows which is nice now I could do it at home and not have to do it on an eight-hour drive. (laughs) (laughs) Were you living in Colorado? Oh, we were living in Colorado for a while, and then we moved to uh, North Carolina right outside of Raleigh Okay, for the last two and a half years. Okay. So we were there, uh, and that's where I I was commuting from. Once I got back to work, once I stopped saying no when people asked me if I wanted to come do gigs. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was commuting from Raleigh. So that's what I've uh, been doing that. Um, been writing some. Oh, That's yeah. one of the things I, I made a pact with myself coming back to the world that I am supposed to be in. Right. Is I, uh, I, although I love just learning other people's music and I love playing drums. That's the, with the deepest root in my DNA. I want to be more creative now than I want my goals to be to have more creative energy mm. in my life and a creative flow in whatever facet. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm uh, getting out of my writing shell. I have so many folders and folders on hard drives of snippets of music ideas from when mm-hmm. I was in hotel rooms all around the world. I'd yeah. carry a little portable studio with me, okay. just letting in a controller. Either Sometimes I'd have a drum cat, sometimes I have a little keyboard. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm trying to cultivate those ideas, and I have nothing finished. 
<laughs> well, I mean, w- did you always write <clears throat> ever since you were started playing music? I did at first. When I first started playing music, I played in bands, and we would write, we would record, and we'd play gigs and try to sell CDs and mm-hmm. tapes in the beginning. Yeah, it was tapes at first. Yeah, sure. Dating myself, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Edison spools. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Um, but then I got to a point after several years of doing that that I just I wanted to be a professional drummer. I didn't want to have to work a day job. Yeah. I wanted to make my I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. So I very quickly realized that I have to be able to play anything. I never yeah. ever wanted to say no to a phone call for a gig, no matter what it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No matter what style. I mean, I took a salsa gig one time. I had never played salsa. (laughs) I played in this band for a year. I hung on for dear life for a year. Yeah. Playing drums and percussion and a salsa band. So so very after the phase of playing in bands and writing, I started honing drumming, learning how to tell myself how to read, listening and absorbing everything I can get my hands on for years and years and years. Right, right. Uh, so that consumed me. The drums just took me over. Well, and I want to I want to kind of go uh, and dissect that evolution. Um, but uh, I want to kind of hang on the songwriting thing for a second because uh, I think that's an important thing that uh, a lot of drummers need to realize is that we have so much experience in music with people that we work with that we collaborate with but so often we forget that we can write yeah doing what we do i mean we've got i mean i've gotten to play with some unbelievably talented songwriters yeah yeah and it's very inspiring it's been very inspiring i wanted to i made it a point i want to start cultivating that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that outlet in myself more than just having snippets of music yeah uh, a, few, a few lyrics here and there mm-hmm. I want to start cultivating that okay. um, but it is I mean I'm not I'm not you know a very you know a very confident songwriter as of mm-hmm. yet I mm-hmm. like I said I think I feel as though and I'm also my worst critic so not, sure. a lot of things aren't finished because I don't feel like they're ready yeah. when I think I, f- I feel as though I need comrades well are you collaborating because that's a real common thing I, it's, yeah. it's just starting I have a, a long list of friends that are that want to start writing with me and I'm I'm gathering my ideas and okay. it's, that's the, the stage I'm in I'm in at the moment and what else do you play besides drums I started on guitar as a kid oh. uh, I, I can strum some chords I can get some ideas out. Let me grab the guitar real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, and to p- and keyboards like piano a little bit. Yeah. I can enough to just get some ideas out. Right. In my, I went through a couple little periods in my my family hiatus I've been on where I was studying a little bit of piano and I used the term studying very loosely, mm. um, but just trying to educate myself. I'd love to be able to sit down at a piano mm-hmm. and play music someday yeah. instead of just hitting some chords and having some melodies that I hear yeah. for musical yeah. ideas. I'd love to be able to play. So on your own, you were exploring that avenue? A little bit, yes. Yeah, yeah. Just scratching the surface. The problem, there are not enough hours in the day yes. for all the things that are so inspiring that I want to have under my belt and absorb into my DNA. There's just not enough hours in the day. 
So I have to, I have to, I've, I've, I have to be more selective on what I put my time to because I could be spread so thin, and that's what I feel like I've, been, you know, to some extent was doing it for when I first came off the road. I was just overwhelmed with all these things that I want to do artistically and creatively, but everything is just spread thin, so I have to focus it and hone it. Right, and I think that's really important. I mean, <clears throat> I think if you find those you can focus on that and really develop those things was it like master of none jack, jack of all trades master of none absolutely situation yeah yep. well let's go back to the beginning uh as far as you said you started playing guitar and then how did drums come into well, i was playing guitar yeah uh, a hobbyist playing guitar yeah uh and i had a friend I was 18. Uh, a friend of mine played drums. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I walked into his room with him playing mm-hmm. with a band. I'll never forget that feeling. Something about, and I, I'd been to tons of concerts. Yeah. You know, I've been to shows, but there was something about standing next to him when he was playing the drums. That energy mm-hmm. that I felt. Mm-hmm. was one of the most profound moments in my life. Wow. It really hit me. I can't even just, I mean, I don't know how to describe it, but I, so he went on, not long after that, he was going on vacation. I asked him, I said, can I borrow your drums? Mm-hmm. He was gone for a couple of weeks. When he came back, the guys he was playing with wanted me as their, uh, you know, wanted to play, perform a band, another band with me playing wow. drums. I just... I mean, I, wasn't, I probably was terrible, but I could play a beat right out of the gate. I sat down, and I started playing open-handed. I was riding with the left hand on the hi-hat. Yeah. Because I didn't know any better. I didn't think about it. I just set up, and, and I could I instantly could play a, just a straight groove, nothing yeah. fancy. So, No salsa buddy, yet? No, definitely no salsa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, my buddy comes back from vacation. Yeah. And saw me playing. He says, he gave me everything. He gave me his drums. That's incredible. He says, man, that's what you need to do. He said, don't stop. Don't. He told me, he said, dude, don't ever stop playing. He gave me everything. A crash ride, set of hi-hats, and a four-piece kit. Um, and that was all she wrote. And I, was, I played with those guys for a little while. And then I started getting uh, uh, with some working gigs. I was playing three nights a week. Within six months, I was playing three nights a week. Wow. Yeah. With yeah, six months to a year. I'm making money. Yeah. Um, and then I did that for a while. I'm sorry, where was this? This was in Northern California. Okay. I, um, uh, I was in the military. That's wow. I was in the Air Force for four years, and that's when, the, that's when I started playing drums in the Air Force. Wow. I was just a hobbyist guitar player till then. Uh, and it was a guy I lived in the dorms with. Yeah. Um, so I was in the Bay Area playing cover gigs three nights a week mm-hmm. and playing with a metal band on the, you know, when I could fit it in with my buddies. Jeez. And then I moved to North Carolina right out when I got out of the military. Okay. I moved to Raleigh. My family, my parents, all my sisters and my brother had moved to Raleigh from New York. Mm-hmm. I guess I should back up. I grew up in New York. Okay. Uh, they moved to North Carolina. I moved to be close to them. And instantly, as soon as I got there, I started playing in bands, writing music, mm-hmm. recording, uh, and playing playing gigs. Mm. 
Um, so I did that for a while, and then I got uh, got a, a couple called. There was a couple times I got called to go out on the road and play in like dance bands and cover bands. Mm-hmm. So I got a call to go audition for a a band, a regional, pretty busy cover mm-hmm. band. It was, I think it was on a Wednesday. By Friday, I was on the road. Jeez. Playing. Um, it was awesome. It was such a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, they played to a lot of sequences. That was the first time I ever had to play to a click. Mm-hmm. There was no rehearsal. I'd just show up at the gig, and mm-hmm. they said those four clicks in front of every tune, songs I'd never heard before. Wow. Uh, and it was three hours, you know, three hour long sets a night, sure. two to four nights a week. Mm-hmm. Um, unbelievable learning experience. Mm-hmm. That was so great for me. Well, any formal training up to this point? No, up to this point, no. Yeah, no formal training. I, I think I remember taking a lesson. Actually, I remember taking a lesson with a guy I worked with who was a drummer in the, in North Carolina. And I'll never, this was, it was a profound moment for me too. I remember going to the lesson and mm-hmm. at this point I was still playing open-handed, playing sure. left-handed on yeah. the hat. Um, and I remember going to the lesson and he says to me, he had me play for him for a little bit. And uh, I said, he's sitting there with his hands, his, you know, hand on his chin, thinking <laughs> of how he's going to say this. He says, dude, your groove kind of sucks. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, but thank you. That was one of the best, another one of the best things that ever happened to me. And it was right after that, because there was something about playing left-handed that felt stiff to me. Mm. I'm a right-handed guy. Mm-hmm. Things didn't flow. They didn't have a, it, it's, so that was just the bare bones the way he could say yeah. it. So it was right after that. I switched over to right-handed, okay. which felt more natural. But it was it was it was daunting at first. Yeah. But I just did it. Yeah. Um. So that was the only the only lesson that I had had up to that up to that point. Okay. Um. And he helped me. Yeah, I think he gave me the confidence. Actually, all you know, kicking my kicking my my butt, mm-hmm. but gave me the confidence to go ahead and switch over to right-handed. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Just just kind of exposing this and letting you know, hey, this sucks. In turn, gave you the confidence. It, it's weird as it may be, because I truly just wanted to be better. I wanted to improve. Right. Right. And I think, and I always felt as though something. I mean, I played. I could. I hit hard, and I could play. That's why I could think people, you know, um, were hiring me for gigs and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there was something that just felt stiff it wasn't round i don't think my groove was round yeah it had it was forceful but edgy but even at that stage but even before that there was something about your playing something that came out in your personality that people gravitated towards they're like uh yeah we got to get out for this gig and then you had the time with this drummer who was able to say okay now let's fine tune what you've been doing but that had to be um, that had to be encouraging. I mean, it's it's interesting because most people are starting drums at a younger age. Yeah, and maybe there's some some formal training, not a lot. I actually don't have a lot of formal training until I got to college. But still, 
it seems so fast to get to the point where you were discovering drums to then working and playing a lot. And, and I was, and man, I, I really cannot explain in words what I felt like the first time I played. It was, I, it was just amazing. It, it, I felt mm-hmm. like me. Uh, it felt very yeah. natural. Like I said, it was probably terrible. You know, I'm sure I had to, you know, I just started playing, but uh, it, I loved it and I immersed myself in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, I think that's what, it, uh, why I started, I was getting gigs is I just, I, I owned it. Yeah, yeah. I owned it, even if it was if it was herky jerky or whatever. I mean, I owned it. I didn't pussyfoot around with it. Yeah. When yeah. I played that kick drum, everybody knew I played that kick drum. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I don't know how else to say, but I think I just I just owned it, even if it I That's didn't care thinking, how good it was. Right. That's... I just loved it right out of the gate. After being in California for a few years, I loved the West. I loved the air out West. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. Um, ended up moving to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, spontaneously, actually. Drove out to Colorado with my girlfriend, who is my wife now. Okay. Um, we were on our way to the mountains of North Carolina to go camping. And um, I said, why don't we just go to Colorado? Out of the blue. And we did. And flipped and moved out there. Mm-hmm. So... After this, uh, two or three years on the road with that uh, with that uh, cover band, mm-hmm. um, and I said, "Well, I want to take my drumming to another level. I don't want to just play in one band. I want to be busy. I want to be slamming. I want to play everything I can get my hands on." Yeah. And during this period, I was every you know every time I'd get paid, I'd go to Barnes and Noble or Borders. And I would go to the international section, the music section, and every week I'd buy two to three CDs from other countries that I had no idea what the music was. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. And I, this is when I really started diving into jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just very inspired with uh, th- things other than pop, rock, or R&B, which mm-hmm. is what I grew up on. Sure. And still love, I mean, but yeah. I just wanted to grow. I wanted so many different influences i wanted my playing to have different influences i some of my favorite drummers i would find out what they listened to yes and i would yes. i would dive into that what they listened to and then i expanded on that and mm-hmm. so i started getting a lot into a lot of um world music so when i moved to colorado i had the goal of i wanted to play everything everything and anything mm-hmm. um and I within three months, I got a gig playing six nights a week. Um, it was uh, playing a lot of country. It was the first time I uh, really played like old school country, mm-hmm. a lot of classic rock and R and B stuff. It was six nights a week, three sets a night, same thing, three hours a night. Yeah, and I I could practice all day long, <laughs> so I was practicing everything I can get my hands on. Mm-hmm. All day, and I'd go do my gig every night, and that's all. I, was, I did that for a couple of years mm. in Colorado, and then I started playing in different bands. Then I quit that full time band, and I just man, I just got really busy. I always showed up on time, contrary to me showing up today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but man, I always showed up on time. My drums always sounded good, and I carried myself professional. I wanted to work, and man, I was doing three gigs a day. 
I have three different changes of you know, clothes in the, mm-hmm. my truck, and I'd have congas and a drum set and percussion with me. I'd have different gigs every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a phenomenal period for me, gr- mm-hmm. growth-wise, mm-hmm. musically, because I was doing different stuff. That's when I really started honing my chart writing and chart reading. Okay. okay. Uh, and I use honing loosely. I'm not, uh, you know. It was I, something that worked for you. Like a champ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all that has to happen. Hey, yep, you're exactly right. That is. Yeah. It wasn't. I wasn't uh, sight reading figures as much as just making charts of tunes, learning tons of songs, and writing figures here and there, and different kicks that I needed to hit. Yeah. Um, uh, but that was just an amazing period for me, and it gave me so much confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there for about four years of mm-hmm. me just working really steady. Um, then my daughter was born. Mm. My wife and I had my daughter. And as soon as I saw that little face, and I was, I was really, you know, I was playing so many gigs just to make enough money to live. As soon as I saw that little face, man, I said, I want to take my career to another level. And I want to play with people that are just like all of us probably coming from the towns we, you know, we, mm-hmm. we came from. It's like you want to play with the people that are the most serious about music yeah. and got the love the same way we have the love. Yeah. And I just ate, slept, and breathed music and drums. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, that's, I wanted to surround myself by people like-minded and mm-hmm. not, you know, you know, any slackitude at all. Sure. So we moved to Nashville. Um, from Colorado. Okay. My daughter was six months old. Wow. That was, yeah, that was a little squirrely. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, in a nut, in somewhat of a nutshell, that's, it's that, that period in Colorado was another whole level of me, um, just honing my playing and just building confidence and learning to read. And I, st- I started taking some lessons. Okay. And while I was out there, that was another thing, um, that's when I played in that salsa band. I was taking every gig I could get my hands on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any gig I could hustle my way into, I was taking for the experience. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to play. Those songo grooves on the drum set yeah. helped my left hand mm-hmm. with ghost notes. It made it made all my grooves feel sexier. Yes. It made my ghost notes fit a little better, feel less forced. Mm-hmm made it feel more natural and round. Mm-hmm. So I think my left hand is what what got the most out of playing in that salsa man. Yes. I'd I have to, have to say. I agree with you 100%. There's times I want to practice sango grooves. With no salsa gig on the horizon, I will work on sango grooves knowing that this will improve my pop grooves. Absolutely. Dude, there's been so many times, so many different bands that I've had to learn their show, and there were, there may have been some subtle sexiness on the snare drum or different things, left hand, and that was one of the things I did to prepare for those gigs was to play some songo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, I'm absolutely with you. Yeah. I want to go practice right now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Why Nashville? Uh, I... It's just much more welcoming. Mm. I didn't. I didn't win the lottery. I felt like I needed to have a pile of money to be able to afford comfortably and raise a family, mm-hmm. a six-month-old baby, 
in New York or L.A. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I had a couple, uh, uh, a couple friends, you know, here, um, people that I played with, new friends that yeah. we played together, mm-hmm. uh, that we played a little bit, and I just Nashville seemed like much more of a welcoming place. My wife's family, my family is all in North Carolina. We said, well, we'll be closer to family. Yeah. We have a baby now. Yeah. It's an eight-hour drive, and you know, instead of you know, uh, much much longer travel or flight, um, hour flight or an eight-hour drive. So that was that led into it too. Right. Um, but I think you said it was more. It was much more forgiving, sure. possibly. Of it. Sure. There wasn't anything in particular because um, I, I went to a Nam show mm-hmm. in L.A. while I was in Colorado. Uh, with a friend, a guy I played with, and I was, it was my first NAM show, so I think like that maybe all of us that probably have the same type of feeling. I left that NAM, came home, told my wife, oh, we're moving to LA. <laughs> we're going. But but realistically, you know, you know, we had, a, we had a, a baby right after that. And yeah, Nashville, I think Nashville seemed much more welcoming and forgiving of a place to, mm-hmm. to try to, you know, to get to get a uh, a serious music career started, it seems to be a common sentiment. If you want to have both, you want to have a family and a music career, and um, you can. It's much more for yeah, much more forgiving. Yeah, I think yeah, is that's yeah. the only way I know how to put yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Was there something that you did to get started? I. Well, uh, there was uh, a guy I played with. Uh, we did some recording in Colorado, and I went out to California for a little while while my wife was pregnant to play some shows with him. Mm-hmm. He was from here. So he had, I drove from Rapids, from a gig in Rapid City, South Dakota, was my move, my initial move to find mm-hmm. us a place. So I booked the gig, did the gig, which paid for my move. I drove 21 hours, I think, or so mm-hmm. from Rapid City, went straight out to a writer's night in Franklin. Grabbed a conga, a shaker, and a snare drum and some brushes out of the back of my truck, which I hadn't even unpacked yet, <laughs> and went out to go play. Yeah. And uh, I met people that night. I played with uh, my buddy, and that was that's it. Started right my first night with no sleep. Uh. Um. Yeah, that's it. Started my actually the first couple of months. I was playing more congas. I was getting. To, uh, I recorded a little bit, mm-hmm. playing different acoustic gigs right out of the gate, playing mm-hmm. on congas. It's a little bit, and everyone I kept hearing everyone say how easily it is to get pigeonholed. I, said, well, I mean, I love percussion, but I want to play drums. So mm-hmm. thankfully, I started getting okay drum gigs. Okay, um, I started to do d- getting demo sessions within my first year. Mm-hmm. A lot of showcases. I got plugged into doing some showcases. And, okay. Um, and then it was about a little over a year of being here. That's when I when I got a full-time gig out going on the road. What was that? Uh, that was Josh Grayson. Okay. The American Idol. Sure. Um, yeah, I was here a little over a year, and that was... Was, he had just come out, just had a, or was, or was about to have a number one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was busy right out of the gate. What year did you move here? Oh, 2003. Okay. 
I believe. Okay. Yeah, right in 2003. I'm trying to think of when it was that I met you. And I, it was probably shortly after you it moved. Wasn't, yeah. It wasn't long after that you and I met. Yeah. Because my second son was born. He's 11. He'll be 12 next year. Wow. Obviously. They have birthdays every year. Wow. Isn't that weird? Every 12 months. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> like clockwork. <laughs> Uh, I mentioned this uh, to you when I saw you last December uh, for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And uh, I, I relayed this story to you, and you didn't seem to remember, but um, it sticks with me. And uh, so I, I just want to tell the story again because I think it's really reflective of who you are. It, le- it spoke volumes of you, first of all. We got to know each other a little bit through some mutual friends like Nick Buda and some other people. And my second son was born. All of a sudden, I get a phone call from you. And I said, hey, I heard that you you and your wife just had a baby. Yeah, that's true. He goes, well, we have a crib that we're not using anymore, wondering if you needed it. I, I was like, actually, no. My, I appreciate we actually have one that my, my older son is is no longer needing. But that's that's what a thoughtful thing to call and ask. Cool. Well, it sounds like you're set. All right, great. I mean, I don't remember exactly what was yeah, said, but, yeah. but that was the purpose for your phone call. <clears throat> and that made a huge impression on me. But, well, no buts about it. It makes me wonder how uh, those types of things help build community in uh, an environment like Nashville or any other scene where relationships are a big part of how we um, work together, how we stay busy, um, how we kind of uh, show this support for each other for when some of us are struggling or some of us aren't. Um, but, I, man, I, I just have to say that that just stuck with me for for a really long time. Yeah, that's cool. I, yeah, that's very cool. I just feel as though it's just putting good, positive energy. And we all know how hard it is. And yeah. I think I had just went through. It was really tough time. I'll always downplay it, but it was a really tough time to have a you know to bring a, a little person into the world, mm-hmm. um, and then to move cross country to try to pursue a dream with a little baby at home. Yeah. That's a handful, and I know what it's like to be a handful. And I genuinely, I feed off of, I guess without getting too philosophical here, but I feed off people's energy and the energy transference between people. Mm -hmm. I feed off that a lot. Yeah. And I always, yeah, I just, I want to pass on good positive positive vibes to people and try to be helpful because there's been many times and have been recently and in the future will be times when I could use a hand with stuff and and, you know you know how it is man you meet good people and you want to you you know just want to help good people right yes uh, you feel energized by that positive energy and the opposite is true sometimes when the energy is uh, if it's if it's poison it can really affect you Yep. Um, yeah, it's always good to remember that, especially when you're in different places in your life. Absolutely, no matter where you're at in life. Yeah, there's there's toxic energy, and it's yeah. knowing 
and having a mechanism to deflect the toxic energy the best that you can mm. when it's a situation you have to be in or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just sure. have to get good at trying sure. to deflect it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Josh Grayson gig lasted. I was on that for about two years. Okay. Okay. It was two years. Was there anything about that being, I guess, kind of your first Nashville road gig? It was. It was my first. Yeah, Nashville. Uh, yeah, road gig. I guess full first yeah. full time. Like I okay. do one offs, you know, um, here and there. But that was my first full time living on a bus. Okay. Um, doing shows and coming home and visiting my family occasionally. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Was there something about that that uh, you had to learn that you had never experienced before? Hmm. I think one the one thing I, about that that I had never experienced before is uh, it was it wasn't as hectic on a day to day basis as mm-hmm. hustling gigs in town. Yes. It was that was the th- the thing that I I think I I welcomed the most mm, okay in a way at that period at that point it was of course like, Ooh, i can get i can i can be a little more rested i can take a little better care of myself mm-hmm. i can run myself a little less thin mm-hmm. um and do my gig and play music yeah I, um i guess that was probably the biggest the biggest thing really okay. I, I i also feel i, I don't I always play, no matter if it's five people or 50,000 people, if I'm playing drums, I really do feed off the people I'm sharing the stage with, the people that I'm playing music with. Mm-hmm. That's who I feed off the most, no matter what the gig has been in my life. Yeah. So I don't think it really felt that different mm-hmm. in, uh, in other ways. It's, sure. It's just, um, yeah, it wasn't as hectic on me, yeah. like running from one gig, running another car and having to change clothes in my car. You right, right. And go into another gig. Right. It's like I can go rock for yes. two hours. I can go back to the bus and chill. Or, yeah. Or go out and explore. And, right. Which was which was really. And and when you're on awesome. a tour with a tour bus, you have someone driving for you, and just yeah. the opportunities to sleep is much greater. That, that's what I'm saying. It was priceless, <laughs> especially with a, with a with a, a little a little child too. Oh, absolutely, man. There were times when I lived in Colorado. Oh my gosh! When, for a little while, when my wife, you know, got pregnant, uh, I had to go to California to play uh, uh, with my buddy, who got me to, you know, talk me into moving here, or not talk me into moving here, but he, you know, he, yeah, yeah. I had, I had someone to play with when I moved here. Um, so when I came back, I felt an urgency to, you know, to get some money put away. So I went and got a job during the day, and I was playing at night at that mm-hmm. for a little, about six months mm-hmm. or so. And man, I was driving up into the to the ski resorts in Colorado, doing gigs mm-hmm. till two a.m. Yeah, packing up, getting paid, driving home, hour and a half, two hours, Ugh. getting home five a.m. with enough time to jump in the shower, get changed, and go to work. Yeah. Get off work, take a power nap for an hour. Yeah. Put on you know the, you know my clothes, throw my drums in the truck, and drive into the mountains again. And I do that three, four days a week. Oh my gosh! It was unbelievable. It was I mean people don't believe me. 
but it was absolutely the truth. That's what I was doing. Yeah. So to be able to be on a bus and go yeah. rock faces for two hours and yeah. then go back to the bus and have a beer with the boys or, yeah, for you know, sure. and hang out and get a good night's sleep while you're heading a couple hundred miles down the road yeah. was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Being able to own what you do, no matter how tired, how sick you are, anything, to be able to just own it and do whatever you need to do mm -hmm. to represent yourself and people that are counting on you mm -hmm. to help, you know, represent, you know, be at least be, be, be a part of the thing that represents them. Um, it takes effort. At least for me, it takes effort. I'm not aloof enough to... <laughs> Sometimes I wish I was, <laughs> but uh, no, I understand. Like you, you, it, it you take it seriously. Yeah, uh, it's funny. A friend of mine called me for a gig last week, and it was just a last minute thing. And I was texting him. I said, "Wait, what about this song? What about that song?" He said, it, "Yeah, man, don't stress about it. This is a low stress situation. I don't want you to." And I said, "I know, but you know me, man. Yeah, I'm not going to let it go. I've because." It just makes me feel better. You you have more fun when and and you never know who's going to be listening. Absolutely, and and I feel is like a lot. Of what I have heard the most whenever I've gotten a call from a band, mm -hmm. and I've got to go play a gig, and I have to learn there's you know an hour to three hours worth of music or whatever it may be, yeah. and no rehearsal. You just show up and do a gig, sure. which happens. You know, it's been happening a lot. Mm -hmm. um, the most common thing I'm told at the end of the gig is, thank you so much mm -hmm. for putting the time in. It's just, they, I guess they say, I mean, you know, they say things to the effect of, you have no idea how many guys you could tell just listen to the tunes once the night before they show up to yeah, do why? the gig. And I, that's what I hear the most is, thank you so much for putting the time in. And I got to be honest, I don't. When I'm hustling and running and and trying to have a you know balance in my life with being a dad and everything, mm -hmm. I don't ever get to put the amount of time anymore in that I want to. Right. I'm right. still not putting as much time as I'd like to put in mm -hmm. most of the time. Yeah. Um, but that's what I hear is, man, thank you so much for putting the time. Yeah. In. Yeah. That's a good feeling. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's just charting everything out and charting out the important kicks mm -hmm. and the stuff mm -hmm. that you know you you know you're going to want to hit and it would mm -hmm. suck if you don't mm -hmm. it may not suck but it just you know I don't want to hack my way through any, anything sure sure um but yeah that's there's multiple reasons why that's such a great thing because, absolutely yeah they remember that you make an impression that leads to work more work down the line you feel good about yourself as a better performance, a better experience. Absolutely. And you know, I also think to some degree, not to some degree, to a large degree, everything is habit forming. And that's my philosophy on things. Like, like let me give you, like, for instance, if someone is on a has a job, you know, if it's a day job, whatever it may be, and they, uh, you know, they're just slogging their way through it, they're not caring. They're like, man, I'm not getting paid enough for this. Mm-hmm. I look at it like if I'm not getting paid enough for it, I'm still going to I'm still going to own it. Mm. I feel like if I half-ass something, it's everything is to me is some kind of muscle memory or mental mem muscle memory. 
if I'm half-assing this, it's going to be way easier to half-ass this mm-hmm. and this and this and this in my mm-hmm. life. I feel like everything is somewhat habit-forming. Mm-hmm. And I look at it like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't ever want to half-ass anything. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I always do, it's kind of one of my pet peeves is when I hear people say, well, I'm not getting paid enough to put that much effort into this. Yeah. I think that's a terrible attitude. Yeah. So if I'm going to do a gig for crappy money, whatever, mm-hmm. I'm going to put as much effort into learning that music as I'm going to do a gig mm-hmm. in a stadium somewhere. I don't know. That's how I look at it anyway. No, no. It, 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 there's so many reasons why that, that works well. I mean, there is the monetary reward of more work. and But there's more than that as well. There's the sense of pride. Yep. There's uh, there's all that travel and work and everything that leads to that time on stage. That if things are together and you're there and you're you're playing such a strong supportive role in the situation, everyone's going to have a good time, including you. Absolutely. It per- it's perpetuating a positive energy. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Do you think that a lot of that stuff is what, um, and I'm, I, I can only guess that you were like that before Taylor's gig, that I'm, how did that come about? Because I, I, I'm wondering, somebody knows you, they knew your work ethic, your playing ability, that led to that gig. Well, that, Nick Buda. Okay. Um, recommended me for that. He uh, played on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think him and Tim and Nathan. I think they all did a couple of you know full band shows that Taylor had to do. Um, but there wasn't a lot of band stuff. But I think as soon as they started getting some band stuff, Nick uh, Nathan called me. <clears throat> Nick gave my number to Nathan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really it. And we met, and they needed someone to put a band together, and it happened very fast. Wow. There really wasn't time to mess around and people just have an electricity and you could you could tell the first minute I met her, she has that electricity about her. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. You could you could tell that uh there's there's you know, something special there. Mm-hmm. You know. Did she have the confidence to say, Hey, listen, this song needs this or can you do this? Even Nick mentioned that you could tell she knew what she wanted in the studio and i'm wondering about that live absolutely that was one of the things that was 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 uh amazing is how well she she did have a vision for what she wanted Mm -hmm. and she could articulate it Mm -hmm. at that age was was it was awesome it was amazing Mm -hmm. and and very refreshing because i mean it's a lot of people incredibly talented people don't necessarily articulate what they're hearing in their head or what they want mm-hmm. that well mm-hmm. a lot of people don't even know what they want let alone be able to articulate it yeah well, she how is right from the day i met her she she knew what she wants and and knows how to to verbalize it i mean and i think that's that's a, 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 such a, a vital thing for a a, a a leader of any sort mm-hmm. to be able to let out to the team 
sure. and give direction sure. and, and say, this is what I'm hearing, this is what I want, or this is the kind of vibe. And the more you get to know someone, you know what is going to, what you can do and have the band do to create that vibe mm-hmm. for them, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. Yeah. So that was very impressive um, right out of the gate, 16 years old. Wow. And, and I think as a, as, a, as a musician, as a drummer in those situations, if you're receptive to that input, it can make your job so much easier. Absolutely. And I, that's one of, one of the things I, th- I think uh, it goes back to my philosophy on life, that energy transference between people that I feed off of. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just I feel as though that is a, a, a very um, important trait to have when when trying to make music feel the way it needs to feel. Mm-hmm. It's it's all related. Yeah. When you first started with her, how complex was the production as far as on your end? Not very complex at all. We were just playing the music really in yeah. the very beginning. It, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it wasn't complex at all. We just learned. No tracks or no, like not that. at all. We just played. Yeah, did it get more complex over time? Even even when you know, um, even when we started headlining, it wasn't really that. It was that complex. It was us playing music and mm-hmm. maybe. Um, yeah, it really wasn't that complex. Like I see nowadays, I see some bands uh, that run just a, it's a wall of sound track wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was never, never like that. With uh, was that intentional? Um, well, I, I think I didn't think it. Was, I don't think anybody felt that it was really necessary. Yeah, I guess that's the best way I can probably explain it. It really wasn't really. It wasn't necessary. Okay. Um, a little bit of grout, you know, be, you know, between the tiles, a little bit of here and there. Yeah. After we did, couldn't you know bring a whole string section on the road or different things like that. Or mm-hmm. times we didn't have a percussion player and little stuff. But yeah, it wasn't really necessary. Uh, what about your setup? Did something change to kind of help accommodate those things acoustically? Or would I have always tried to? especially with drum loops and stuff. For a while, yeah. I ran some drum loops on track. And then I would chop up the loops and trigger them. I'd have an electronic pedal next to my kick drum pedal. Oh, wow. And I'd have a drum cat. Uh, so I would tr- trigger the sounds. I would play the loops. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I've always tried to play those sounds as organically as possible. I have, I'd have... You know, like a lot of people, we put a splash cymbal on a snare drum, on a snare two, and mm-hmm. I'd have a um, like the Sabian choppers. Yeah, um, little the little radia hi hats. I've always incorporated those into my kit once mm-hmm. I started um, to try to play different things just acoustically. Right. Um, so I could even on acoustic gigs, I could play those drum loops. Oh, okay. You yeah, know what I mean, and even if I have to, you know, change my technique on the kick drum, play it more open, or or you know whatever, change the dynamics of my kick drum, I tried to, you know, just keep it as organic as possible. Yeah, but there did come a time when I, like I said, I'd I'd trigger, trigger some sounds, and and, and on things uh, like even just jumping to like how what you're doing now doing one-offs with different groups are you coming in saying okay hey you had a loop on this i've got this 
snare two, I'm going to do this. Do you find you're incorporating those skills and techniques to the gigs that you're doing now? Uh, pretty much everyone. Yeah. Oh yeah, a lot actually. I love it. I usually carry two snares with me. My main snare, mm-hmm. which is a twenties Ludwig. Oh wow, cool. Um, chrome over brass. Mm-hmm. It's just so killer. It holds up so well. Mm-hmm. I never ever have to tighten a lug on it. <laughs> and whether if I'm playing in a, an arena as hard as I could play it, it does not detune. It's mm-hmm. the most amazing drum I've ever had. That's awesome. So that's my usually my snare one, and then I'll carry a big fat you know fat with snare with a power stroke on it for a big fat back, mm-hmm. and then I have a. Remo, uh, oh, forgive me, I'm not even sure what it's called, but it's about 10 inches. It simulates a marching, like a Kevlar marching drum. Okay. So I carry one of those with me that I'll lay on snare too. So when there's a really high kind of loopy uh-huh. loop snare, I yeah. can use that. Yeah. And that usually turns ahead when I lay into that thing. It's <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Um, so I always, no matter what, if I'm subbing or whatever, I always carry those two snares and then the little third so i have three snare sounds Mm -hmm. and then i have just a um cut out just a piece of a drum head without minus the hoop that i'll lay on my snare and okay i get different sounds out of that um little little stuff like that so even when you're flying say using someone else's gear or maybe there's backline you're still carrying some of that stuff with you i do this last weekend i just went flew to reno and did a festival date where it was just a fill-in gig Mm -hmm. i actually only carried the one fat back snare i talked myself out of bringing my main snare because there were uh, we had a backline there Mm -hmm. um but i carried the little kevlar my little remo thing and my fat snare um even yeah, even just a fill-in fly date. So I'll carry at least something. Yeah, to yeah, try to yeah. acoustically play. Some. Yeah, but I had to run the, their tracks for them. So it was really some of my stuff I brought was unnecessary actually because they were it wasn't my gig. I was just filling in. I wanted to slip in, do the gig, and get out. Balance in life and everything is becoming more important to me, and I'm I'm. I'm realizing it more and more, I should say. Mm-hmm. So I realized I didn't want to have a good, healthy balance. I didn't want my personal life to fall to pieces. Mm-hmm. That's going to affect my art. Mm-hmm. It's going to affect my craft. That's going to affect my job to some degree. Mm-hmm. It's going to affect it. Even if I'm just amazing at hiding it, it's going to affect me internally, and I'm not going to be breathing in my job and my craft the way I want to if my if certain other things aren't yeah feeling right yeah and vice versa yeah really like if my playing is going downhill and then personally I'm going to feel it's not going to be right my chi is going to be off. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm really I'm, I'm searching for and have been for a long time having a good balance mm-hmm. or better balance and I'm not doing it you know perfectly yet mm-hmm. but but I I, I guess I, I that was the one thing that I did to try to juggle it better it got to the point where some of my buddies are calling me it would take me a month to call them back mm. you know what I mean I was really trying to I was scrambling to to keep the other facets of my life hell, as healthy as I could. Why did it take you like a month? To- oh, because I, I you know, I, I'm slamming. I'm just busy with work. 
mm-hmm. busy with at home, you know, when I was at home mm-hmm. and I would forget yeah. and, you know, I'm just immersed in my life, just trying to keep up and yeah. it had a lot going on then. And so I wasn't as good at keeping in touch with my buddies, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. I don't know, it just spread thin. It is interesting that we talk about professional life and personal life and we put that under the umbrella of spouse, children, or if you in a relationship with a significant other, but uh, we forget there's your there's your you know your friends. There's those people you know that aren't your family. That is a part of your um, the, just that social uh, dynamic that um, is is supposed to be there. There's a reason why you have friends. There's a reason why you have that network, that community. Um, outside of work, outside of work situations. Even though as musicians, I always find that most of my friends are people that I work with. Yeah. And then when you don't work with them anymore, you tend not to see them as much, especially as you get older, especially when you have time to hang out, you are hanging with your spouse or your children (laughs) or something. Yeah. It takes time and effort. Especially coming off of a family hiatus I just went on, which, by the way, wasn't necessarily the healthy balance that I'm still searching for either. Yeah. Um, but I, those friends, man, we all have a common thread, all of us that do what we do. Mm-hmm. And we, we are all cut from the same cloth yeah. or a similar cloth. Sure. On so many levels that, I mean, I, I missed my friends. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I said, I had to, you know, to go do, you know, tend to some things and that I needed to tend to. But I mean, it's, I, I feel like having that energy between our friends, it's important. It is important. On many levels, actually. We share, we share, we are so fortunate to do what we do and have the passions yes. that we have. Yes. And to be able to share that. Yeah. And cultivate that and yeah. talk about that and learn and, we do that together, and for a while I didn't have my friends in my life, you know, and that's not healthy either. People that look at your gig with Taylor Swift and where it was, what, how does Al come to this place? They want to know, you know, how does it come to this decision to leave this gig? Maybe you've already told me, but is there something else that you can kind of lend to the conversation that might give somebody some real insight like this is reality playing drums playing music is i mean it's the deepest rooted thing in my dna Mm -hmm. you know like um i guess i i i got to a point i mean for my daughter was just growing up you know, without me, I missed a lot of stuff and I was feeling like I didn't want to, I'm trying to minimize the regrets I have in my life later on. And yeah. I knew I needed to be, I needed a deep, you know, a, a, uh, to be connected a little more, at least for a while. Mm-hmm. So much so that I felt like it was about, I felt that the pull to be, to be home. Mm-hmm was strong enough that it was going to affect my 
excitement being on the gig. Mm. I felt I felt it coming, mm-hmm. and I will not. No matter how amazing a situation it is, mm-hmm. and how awesome it was, and how much I loved everybody out there, mm-hmm. I will not. I don't want to ever not be f- immersed into something. I don't ever want to be. I will never phone anything in. Mm-hmm. And a, a situation like that, everyone needs to be through the roof stoked to be there. And, and I hope I'm saying this. I, I, I am. I, I, it's not like I wasn't stoked to be there, but man, I needed to be home for a while. No, I think I know what you're saying. There's, a, there's like a, a circle here. One feeds into the other. Your passion for music feeds your passion with family and your love of family gives you the drive to be committed to your craft. And when one is compromised, something's going to, something's got to give. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's, 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 yeah, I agree. And I I just felt as though I knew my, it was going to be a handful for a while. I got to, you know, I'm kind of regrouping and we had some, you know, some stuff, things to tend to and some mm-hmm. things to do. So I knew it was going to be a season, a yeah. tumultuous season. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. But man, it, it just my gut. I listened to my follow my gut. Yeah. And I think I don't ever want to be I don't I will and I won't ever be in a any kind of musical situation and not be immersed in it. I won't be. I don't care how good the situation is. If I need to take a break and I need to be away for a while, then that's yeah. what I'm going to do. Yeah. I, I, I feel as if I am in a situation, especially some a situation as amazing as that was and is, mm-hmm. and I'm not 100% committed and owning it, then I'm doing all of us a disservice. I never want anybody to ever think that I'm playing with to ever think about the time. Yeah. I never want them to. I mean, I just assume them not even really realize. I don't know. That's not really accurate. I was going to say, I really just assume them not even realize the drums are there. They're just no, expressing no, themselves. Right. And they're immersed in what they're doing and what we're doing together. Right. That you're not thinking about any particular thing. No, that's that's that has come up before. And, uh, you know, even singers, they... They'll say, uh, you know, I, I, it's hard to explain, but uh, please take this the right way. There's times I don't even know you're there. Absolutely. Because I, can, I don't have to worry. I don't have to think. I can, I can perform. And uh, I like that. I love that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm with you. Yeah. It's like they think that that's an ins- you know, that maybe that's a backwards compliment. It's no, no. No, I get that. That's yeah. my job, you know. Um, I didn't get it when I was 20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get it now, though. Yep. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I, I wish or I hope to someday have, you know, be in a place where I have more time to you know to practice i mean i'm practicing but not it's, it's never as much like a, oh, we talked earlier oh, the six to eight hours a day oh, i wish i could do that now but i don't i maybe someday i will have that again and but 
but I really I just want the music to feel good. I want to, I want the music to play itself. Mm-hmm. And that's my, it's always been my ultimate goal. I mean, mm-hmm. I could honestly, I could go do a gig and not play a drum fill all night. Yeah, me too, man. I really could. I wish, I wish, I, I wish, in, in a way, I wish I didn't feel that way. I wish, I, I wish I did strive to say a lot more things. Mm. But I just don't. And every time I go through phases where, like I said, uh, I really want, I want to say more. Mm-hmm. Every time I do, and I have, it's just not right. It's mm-hmm. me trying to mm-hmm. put more into the music that we, you know, at least that I play for a living, um, mm. putting more than it needs. Sure. And, and I don't really do that so much. It's an important distinction because, you know, there, there's certain types of music that does call for maybe more intense interaction. Uh, on on the drums or whatever, but uh, you know I I agree with you, especially you know in uh, modern popular music, um, that pocket that feel is is really important. Yeah, and I, I really I try to. I'm more about intensity mm. than I am dexterity. One of my goals is, and I've been speaking with a bass player buddy of mine for years and years. Uh, putting a band together, a fun mm-hmm. band, a creative outlet for us, not mm-hmm. um, just a funky hip hop, electronic, jazz band, whatever, which it could change monthly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we, like I said, we really have only been here back to Tennessee for a little over a month okay. altogether. So I haven't, I just haven't gotten to it yet. Mm-hmm. But I've got a kid over at his house, and we've been, you know, we've yeah, been conspiring yeah. for a while. We just haven't started. We're, that's hopefully we're on the cusp yeah. of getting that started. Yeah. I, and my goal has been for that project, mm-hmm. for me to have that outlet, mm-hmm. um, to you know cultivate more, more um, creative ideas on the drums, drumming sure, wise. Sure. But I, I feel like the music that we play for a living. And the jobs that we get, it's just man, like I said, I could just deal with a, have a floor tom and mm-hmm. kick snare hat and yeah, ride in a crash and maybe yeah. two snares, <laughs> maybe three snares, maybe three, two yeah. or three snares, maybe. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> so your family's here. Yeah, been here for about a month. Yeah, they but you've been and you've been. I've been back and, and forth a little over a year. Year. Yeah. 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 And it sounds like you're busy. And just staying busy. Yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's up and down. It's up and down. Like yeah. I said, I'm pretty pretty, yeah. you know, fresh being back to the scene sure. and stuff. But sure. uh, but yeah, I keep getting called for stuff. So you know, the t- teaching helped me out a lot in a lot of ways. Oh, cool. In some ways, but I I, I find that I found that I'm when there's a student that practices, mm-hmm. that's passionate, like where we are. Mm-hmm. I'm a great teacher. <laughs> yes. I'm an awesome teacher when that's the case. <laughs> when it's not the case, yeah. I'm not a good teacher at all. Yeah. I don't know how some of my buddies, some guys, they do yeah. it. I don't know how they do it. When you have, you know, students that just don't practice, they, you know, they, they act like they want to be there, but you can tell that they really don't. Yeah. I don't know how guys do that. Right. Some people that, that, that they have a drive for that, that takes a certain personality um, because I know that for young people that are taking music lessons, most of them, it, most of the students aren't as passionate as as yeah. mo- as others. Yeah, and and I get it. And that was my biggest struggle with teaching 
that's always been my biggest struggle with teaching, not not being committed to all different types of students. Yeah. Because I could never understand why aren't they excited about this? I know, right? Come on, man. <laughs> why aren't you excited What's about up? playing a reverse paradiddle over and over and over again? No, until you don't even have to think about it and you're right. just whipping it out. Yeah. Come on. This is too boring, man. Why? No way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so I'm, I've, you know, it was a love-hate thing, I guess. But I like the fact that uh, you recognize how much personal growth can come from teaching, and that yeah. seems to be a common thread. And if, if anything, uh, when an opportunity does arise f- to teach, um, I see it as an opportunity to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know. I think that's why a lot of my uh, favorite drummers are, are really great teachers as well, you know. And that's what, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Some of my favorites are are very good teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you're making it happen, kind of uh, reinventing your yourself and your life and, and, uh, and making some... Real grown-up decisions. <laughs> Pesky grown-up decisions. <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah, it's all good. It's a, it's a great. I'm thankful for the journey yes. um, that I'm on and that I've been on and that I'm continuing to go on with. I, yeah. I, um, yeah, it's just to make you know, it's it's a, it's the quest for balance. Like I said, I it haven't is. I haven't found it yet, I'm, but I'm working on it. Yeah. And I imagine it's a lot like music. It will be something you'll work on for the rest of your life. Yeah. Even after your daughter has grown and gone. Work in progress. Always, I'm sure it will be. To find the time to come and see me is is much appreciated, man. Oh, man, this is, yeah, us hanging out is long, is years overdue. (laughs) That's right. Well, this is is a good excuse to do that. (laughs) Al, I appreciate it, man. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, man. So great to see you. Good to see you. So there's my interview with Al Wilson. Uh, Al is just one of the most sweetest guys you'll ever meet, and I'm I'm really happy to know him. I'm honored to know him and call him a friend. I'm glad we had this time to catch up. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation we had. I was really pushing him to talk about why he left the Taylor gig. Uh, I think it's really important to understand and prioritize different things in your life uh, for the sake of your life, for the sake of your art, for the sake of uh, so many things. But I think one of the most important takeaways from all this is that Al was saying if there's something about his life that isn't right, it will affect his art, his playing, his music, his drumming, and vice versa. We always think, oh, no, it's just, this work is going to take away from my family and my happiness and all that good stuff. But it goes both ways. I hope that came across. Again, I thank him for his time. I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, once again, I want to thank Mike Jackson for his technical help. Matt Hangel's interview that uh, Zach did last week was really fun. If you guys get a chance to check that out. So that was last week. And next week will be another one of Zach's interviews. Everyone, thanks for your support. Thanks for your input. Thanks for your comments and uh, just uh, interacting with us on all the social medias. We really appreciate it. So I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.